Hey, welcome to Mornings at 10 here. So much to talk about. Of course, we've got the weather, which is always a topic of mm -hmm. concern as we turn the corner into the weekend. But we also have new reaction and new debate about this report into the Upper West Side subway train mm -hmm. derailment. What are the concerns about that? We're going to have the transit president in to, to discuss that. Also, a dramatic increase in bullying in schools across New Jersey, which is something that I know is incredibly troubling. I mean, you're a parent. Of course. I mean, whether it's New Jersey or elsewhere, we yeah. worry about when we send our kids to school, if they're going to be able to yeah. To, uh, just enjoy the day well, and even not when be you keep them home. And online. Oh, yeah, we've yep. been worrying about that too. We have survived the holiday party season, <laughs> and now did. this cold and wet weather, or really just winter in general, can make mm -hmm. you want to curl up indoors and stay on the couch. Always. So there's Every new day. research out suggesting that if you are invited out and don't really want to go, you really can say no without becoming like a total pariah. Or yeah, and I know it's or loser. Yeah, <laughs> you want to call it. Trust us for social advice. So don't just trust <laughs> us. We have Micah Meyer here, our favorite etiquette expert, to walk us through this one. Micah, you're the best. Number one. Number two. I love this this topic because I also feel like it's a big 2024 resolution thing, right? A gentler life, allowing yourself a little bit of space, and those social obligations are a big part of that. So I. I actually asked my Instagram followers, what do you want to know? And Carol had a great question. She said, is it okay to just give a blanket no, or do we need to have this eloquent explanation, uh, like uh. excuse? What's, what's your answer? You know, I think that's such a common question. And I, I don't, I, I wouldn't recommend just saying no. I, I also would recommend not wavering in your response. If you say, I'm not sure if I can make it or I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm thinking about this, then people feel pressure to pressurize you. So instead, I would just say something that is, you know, thank you so much for the invitation. Unfortunately, I already have plans. You could just say that. I mean, it could be you and Netflix for all they know, but it's at least you're giving them some kind of reason that is a definitive as to why you're unable to make it. So I think that's kind of one of the main things. I wouldn't just say no. And I'd also be careful of my tone, whether it's an email or a text or in person. I think that's uh, that's a big one. And then also, you don't want to fib. You don't want to say that if you have other plans or you're not going and then they see you on someone else's story yeah. 10 minutes later, you know, out and about, I think you have to be very careful there, but it's okay to say no. It's just how you do it. You have to be discreet. One of our tips that we had on our screen for our viewers just a moment ago was you could always invite them to something else if you can't attend. Uh, do, you, do you have to? <laughs> do you have to? Or, no. or what is the idea behind that, that you want to make them feel included in, in some way? Yeah, exactly. So I think if let's say you're doing dry January, like most people, you're, you're in your health kick, somebody's having a cocktail party, you don't want to be put in a position where you you're tempted, it's not right for you, you say no, but you don't want to not be invited to the next event. So instead, you could say, you know, thank you so much. I'm unfortunately, I can't make it. But I would love to invite you, you know, if you want to grab lunch next week or go for a walk, I would love to see you let me know your availability. So they feel the reciprocation of you'd like to still see them socially, but you don't have to. That's a really gentle way to handle it. Yeah, and, and you don't have to host a party just to <laughs> invite them. That's important. That's a lot to take on. So, something I found interesting is I put up this poll saying, is it easy for you to say no? Is it difficult? Mm. And it was 70, 30, 30 people, 30% of people thought that it was hard to say no. And the majority of those were women. Mm. The majority of the easies were yes. So I'm wondering, we're men. I'm, yeah. I don't have any brain it's cells okay. I'll today. get you coffee Thank later. You. Uh, so I'm wondering, Micah, why do you think it is maybe more difficult 
for women? Maybe that's a generalization to say no. And also, how do you empower everyone that it's okay to say no? I think, you know, it is okay to say no. This is the year of the no. Um, just making sure that, you know, you you have permission. I'm giving you permission to say no. And, you know, if you say yes to everything, then you're not going to end up doing the things you really want to do. So putting yourself first, I think people feel guilt. They feel invitation guilt. They feel pressured to do, make other people happy. But sometimes you have to prioritize. You only have so much time. Mm -hmm. So choose what you really want to do. And then just be emotive when you reply. And, you know, it could just be, I'm so sorry. I, this sounds so wonderful. Thank you so much for thinking of me. Always be show gratitude. However, I won't be able to make it. Um, just something like that. But take the guilt out of saying no. It's the year of no's. Mm. I love that. The love year that. of no. Well, we appreciate you accepting our invitation to yes. join us. <laughs> uh, and we, not saying no. <laughs> right. And not saying no. We uh, always are minding our manners uh, and, and learning so much. Michael Meyer, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Be well. I suspect, Annie, by the way, that women are people pleasers, right? Yes. We're known to sort of want to accommodate everyone, and that's why we have a tougher time at saying no. I will say, the older I've gotten, the easier <laughs> no comes off my lips. So. Especially for social. <laughs> yes. yes. Like couch or put a fan <laughs> on. I'm going couch. <laughs> okay, so we got to talk about that alarming new report that yeah. shows a significant increase in bullying at New Jersey schools. What is significant? Well, I'll tell you. Well, it looks like the numbers have nearly quadrupled from just 2018 to 2023. Mm. That's five years, and yet the numbers have quadrupled. So this report was compiled by the state's anti-bullying task force, showing there were 19,000 bullying incidents investigated in that time period. Yeah, that is troubling. And out of that number, it says that more than 7,500 incidents were confirmed, and that is the highest since the state started tracking bullying mm. at schools. And while it also showed physical bullying was down, verbal and cyberbullying have continued to rise. So remember, that's happening on your kids' phones. The task force recommended additional funding and resources to combat bullying. Another reason to maybe keep the phones out of your kids' hands as yeah. long as possible. You know, it's so tough. It used to be, what do they say, back in the day, it was like, give me your lunch money type thing, and yeah. you duke it out yeah. with, you know, something like that. And now it is just so concerning because it's coming at you from all angles, to your point, digitally. Mm -hmm. And I think the biggest fear, in fact, Pew did a research study a couple of years ago, maybe last year. Now it's 2022, so now that we're in 2024, mm -hmm. it's a couple of years ago. It said 40% of parents with kids school age, so under 18, that was their number one concern, was bullying. bullying. Not only their kids being bullied, but their kids being a bully. Wow. Yeah. And it's a big deal. And I wonder, you know, you guys are parents. I don't have kids, so it's easy for me to sit here and say, well, why don't the parents just do something about it? Mm. Monitor your kid. How realistic is that? I mean, your kids aren't quite to the phone age, but is it realistic to expect parents to monitor their kids' On social media on social and media. what the texts what they are, are saying, and whether or not they're yeah. a bully. Can you really t stay on top of that? I mean, I think oh. there are several different conversations. You know, one, you have the digital aspect with social media, but you also have the in-classroom stuff. I know our school with yeah. our kids, they talk about Proactive it openly. About it, yeah. they're, they're very, very open. And if you see something, say something. But it's also that nuance, too, because kids are kids. So is it a bullying situation or is it just a seven-year-old being a seven-year-old? And so you have to really determine that. But I think the cause behind it is very alarming because we know when you get into 13, 14, 15, 16, compounding with the social media aspect, it can become really dangerous. Yeah. Tricky emotionally for a lot of kids. And we yeah. have seen the worst of that would be kids who end up 
going to the extreme and yeah. dying by suicide because yep. they have felt so bullied. So yeah. as far as phones and monitoring the phones and what happens, I plan to monitor every single text message yeah. <laughs> and posting yep. from my kid. Obviously, yeah. that's not feasible. It's but not, but, but, but that's, that's what you that have to do. That would make me more comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Bo, yeah. listen up. That's what mom said. <laughs> and he doesn't have a phone. He's not getting one anytime soon. Exactly. Yeah. Turn over your phone. All right. So coming up, we're going to have an important conversation. New York City Transit President Richard Davey joining us live in studio to talk about recent subway derailments, including that one right here on the Upper West Side that caused that commuter nightmare right during the evening rush. Well, we know there are a lot of moving parts of this story, so to help us make sense of it all, we're joined now by New York City Transit President Richard Davey right here in the studio. Great to see you. Thank you for having me. Good morning. Th thanks for coming in. I, I want to pick up right there where we left off yeah. in this communication, the investigation, the initial report now from the NTSB, the walkie-talkies, right? They were using walkie-talkies, for lack of a better term. That's right. To communicate. What have you been able to determine? Was Were, were they on a different channel? Did the walkie-talkie malfunction? Why was that communication breakdown there? Yeah, so it's still something we're talking to those operators about. Um, I think, as you mentioned, you know, we're also not only looking at the, um, you know, the, the conduct of those two operators, but also just our policies and procedures or the things that we could tighten up. The radios, as far as we know, were working, but they are multi-channeled, uh, mm -hmm. as an example. Um, but we also make that move uh, about 10, 12 times a week, which is to say, there's a person up front being the eyes and ears and the, and the train being operated from, from the middle with, you know, with no issues. Mm -hmm. That said, we're going to look at all of this to make sure this doesn't happen again. At that time of the day, you do those movements? Uh, all throughout the day, right? Okay. So if we have a broken down train, for example, we'll do yard moves like that. So uh, this was unusual because we were trying to get that train out of the way to make sure we could run rush hour service that day. But again, we you know, appreciate the NTSB's report. Uh, they're professional, they're outstanding, and I expect we'll get some good recommendations and make sure it doesn't happen again. You mentioned that operator was operating the train from the middle of yep. the train. He was not in the front, so he couldn't really see what was happening Correct. on the tracks. But he was doing so because the brakes yep. had been cut. Yep. Let's talk a little bit about the vandalism. Yeah. This has happened before yes. where vandals somehow, I don't even know how they would access it, but they can cut the brakes. What's being done to prevent that and make that uh, a less remote possibility? Yeah, so the vandalism is actually emergency brakes. So customers do have the ability to pull uh, some of our car classes a cord as an emergency brake. Others are behind panels, which they can open. They're supposed to use those during an emergency, right? A medical emergency, something else happening. But as you mentioned, we have vandalism like this that happens, unfortunately, on a regular basis. Thankfully, rarely do we see a derailment, uh, but often it's an inconvenience for lots of New Yorkers, right? So, um, you know, we're looking at that, but, you know, folks have said or asked me, should we just get rid of those emergency brakes altogether? That worries me, too, because there are customers who, in legitimate, you know, for legitimate circumstances, need that in order to get the crew's attention, to get EMS on a train, for example. So, Do you have a um, sense of how often that is used for a reasonable in a reasonable situation. So last year was about 30 times when it was mm -hmm. reasonable, but we had several hundred acts of vandalism at the same in the same mm -hmm. time. Period. But there's talk of making that a felony if you mess with the brakes and so, disable them. Yeah, I mean, I think there's an opportunity to probably charge people with criminal mischief or some other things now. We don't have very good signage up, so I think we're going to do that. You know, you see signage if you assault an MTA employee, for example, it's yeah. a felony up to seven years. I think letting folks know that there are consequences. Now, look, some of these folks, frankly, I don't think know what they're doing. There's some mental health, some issues as well. But we also have kids vandalizing. I think if we can get them to understand yeah. that this is, uh, you know, could lead to some incident like this. But again, clearly interfering with the commute of thousands of New Yorkers every day. Impacts so many people. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So there was a story we talked about on the show yesterday that yes. we wanted to get your your yes. take on. It was a new report in the Gothamist. It says these new open gangway fancy subway cars uh, are can't run on the express track because you can't do the safety checks you yeah. need to do. 
what's going on? <laughs> so, so, so uh, respectful of the Gothamist, that is incorrect. And as a result, I've canceled my Gothamist subscription. And in, in, uh, no, I'm kidding. But in all seriousness, <laughs> oh, like, yeah. no, no. But in all seriousness, uh, the trains can run on express tracks. We are choosing to run them on the local tracks uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, first, it's the first time we've run these trains mm -hmm. uh, in New York. Frankly, it's the first time these open gangway cars are run in the United States. Um, secondly, for the express track, particularly on the A, uh, from 125th Street to 59th Street, it's about a seven or eight minute trip before you get to a station. And at least our view as we begin to test these in revenue services, we want to have stations that are much closer together if there is some issue that comes up. The safety checks can be done, and it's a little harder. Um, we actually, after we bought the, uh, the trains a few years ago, we had the manufacturer install lights under the carriage and mm. some stairs. So. The lights can be flipped on and the crews can uh, can inspect. We only have about 30 seconds left, but you're actually headed across the street right after this yeah. to, to, to kind of launch this new initiative. What are you up to? So we have, uh, we're, we're excited. We're launching or relaunching our renovation and, uh, program, which is we get into stations when they're closed on weekends and we're doing track work to do deep cleans, paint, and just make refresh the station as opposed to doing this massive overhaul or just having a broom yeah. out. So it's kind of the in-between. We did 65 already. We're going to do another 52 this year. Customers are great feedback from customers, and so we're double downing, double down, we're doubling down on, on that program. Well, Lauren's excited. You're doing the 66. Well, well, everybody who works at ABC is excited because <laughs> it's right here. Right. Uh, I answer in five seconds. Black boxes, like they have on airplanes, that record incidents. Could that be possible for trains so yes. that you could figure out what happened in under Yes, and, and for all of our future trains, we're doing that, and forward-facing cameras, too. So I think the more evidence we can derive in these kinds of incidents or accidents or even close calls that occur, uh, the better off we'll be. Okay. I don't know if you saw Jason Kelsey. How could you miss The it? brother of Travis Kelsey. <laughs> so what will Jason Kelsey be up to? Because he really stole the spotlight from Taylor Swift during the Bills-Chiefs game last week. Jason said on his New Heights podcast that he does with his brother that he warned his wife, Kylie, he was going to take his shirt off and jump <laughs> out of the suite no matter what. Well, this morning, Kylie, his wife, spoke with GMA about what else was on his Buffalo bucket list. He desperately wanted to go through a table. Uh, top priority of the day, go through a table. Um, he did not get a chance to do that. And so when he got into the suite, he said to me, um, I'm going to I'm going to take my shirt off and I'm going to jump out. And I was like, I don't think that's the best idea. But I think that it was that continued energy from when he was hyping himself up to break a table. <laughs> so he plays for the Eagles. The Eagles were eliminated the week before, so he's you know just supporting his brother. He also so picked good. up a little girl, a Buffalo Bills, in yeah. the in the sort of stands there to see Taylor Swift to show Taylor Swift the the poster there. So it's kind of and the jumping through the table. That's a Buffalo Bills fans tradition. So Normal. that's he wanted to to do that a lot so in there. Good. I mean, I just appreciate that his wife is just so <laughs> chill about the whole thing. Like this is what he wants yeah. to do, and she, she's just rolling with it. Yeah. What a, what a woman. Yeah, apparently during the game she did say get your behind back in the, <laughs> back in the yeah. suite. So